I love the title of this message. When Pastor Chris told me the title, I got super excited. I was like, if there was a phrase that I could wrap up and say, hey, this is what God is saying to the church, not evangel church, the church. It's that we were made for more. If there was a title that I could put and say, that is, that's, that's what God is communicating to his people, it's that we were made for more. So when God spoke that to Pastor Chris, I was like, that's, that's the pocket of what God wants to say, is that the church is called to more. We were made for more. Amen? And so about a year ago, I shared with you guys that I felt like God had been calling me to be an igniter to the body. And as I hear phrases like made for more, a walking in purpose, a walking in the fullness that God has, everything in me begins to get excited. Because I believe in truth that the church lives so much less from where they're supposed to be. I believe that the church lives here and we're meant to live here. Amen? We live here, base lives when we're meant to live here. He has called us to live here, but we choose to live here. We make an active choice. I don't make a choice. Absolutely you do. Absolutely you make a choice to live here. Another way I like to say it is that the church has been called to be a lion and she's chosen to be a kitty cat. The church has been called to roar and we've decided to meow. We're almost apologetic about our faith. Almost apologetic. We don't want to upset anybody. We don't want anyone to be mad. We don't want me to be offended. So we're just kind of apologetic. Can I tell you something? The gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive. And Jesus was offensive. And so we were not called to live these apologetic Simple lives. We were called to roar. We were called to have a sound. Another way I love to say it is found in the book of John, John 10, 10. Many of you know the verse by heart. It says, the enemy comes, say it with me, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you would have life and life more abundant. Those in that verse right there, it gives you the vision of Satan and it gives you the vision of Jesus. You say, Satan has a vision? Absolutely he does. Absolutely does. His vision is to steal, kill, and destroy you. You. If you think he's just coming for me and Pastor Rick or Pastor Chris, you're wrong. He's coming for you too. <laughs> to steal, kill, and destroy you. The second you became a child of God, a mark was put on you. That is his agenda for you. But Jesus also had a vision. His vision that we would have life and life more abundant. That's his vision. That's his heart. But I want you, child of God, when you read the word, to make it your practice to pray before you read. And I'll tell you why. We serve a multi-dimensional God. So oftentimes when we read scripture and we haven't prayed, we get the knowledge, so we get a one-dimensional response, but we don't get the revelation. And the word of God needs to be revealed by the author of the word of God. So when we pray, we're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us. That's the prayer. See, what's the difference between knowledge and revelation? I'll make it very simple for you. This last year on my bucket list, I got to do something that was on my bucket list, and that was to see Hamilton. So I got to see Hamilton. I loved it so much. And it set me on this journey to search out American history. Because it has so much history in a matter of three hours. You do the whole thing. It's amazing. So I'm searching and I come up to Thomas Jefferson, who's very present in the Hamilton uh, Broadway show. And in his writings, as he's writing, I hold these all things to be true, that all men are created equal. As he's penning it, as he's writing it, and we built our country on it, he's got 600 slaves sitting in his home. 600 slaves are hanging out in Monticello while he's signing, all men are created equal. He had knowledge, he had no revelation. He knew the truth, he understood it, but he had no revelation. All men are created equal, not those men. <laughs> not those 600 sitting there. He had knowledge, he had no revelation. And we can read the word and get knowledge, but not have a revelation of it. 
And so when we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us, we get a revelation. So oftentimes when people read, Jesus, when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundant, we look at the abundant life like this. We say the abundant life is that my bills are paid. Everything is well. I got a good job. My family's well. My car runs. My children are serving the Lord. I, I go to a nice church. I get to serve. That's the abundant life. I get to pray. I can read my word. That's my abundant life. And is that true? Yes. But it's incomplete. It's incomplete. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. The abundant life is more of him. It's him in every place, in everything. That's the abundant life. The abundant life is not that my needs are met. It's not that I'm taken care of. It's not that I got a good job. It's that he is permeating everything about me. That's the abundant life. And Jesus makes a distinction between life and life abundant. Why? Because by nature, we will settle on just life. By nature, we will settle right at life. So Jesus makes a distinction. I've come to give you life and life abundant. He puts an exclamation point on it. You know why? There is an enemy to the church. The enemy to the church is the word average. That's the enemy to the church, is living average lives. You say, really? Yeah. Take a look at the body of Christ. We live average. We're good people. We know the rules. We follow the rules. We do all the right things. We don't drink. We don't party. We don't, we don't sleep around. We, don't, we, don't, we do the right things. We're good. We come to church on Sunday. We do everything we're supposed to. But we never shoot for the more. We just sit right there. Average. Average. We do all the right things. And we live these nominal lives when he has called us to live extraordinary lives. We live these normal, nice lives. We know we're going to heaven. And we just live. I love how Batterson says it. Stop living life like the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. Stop living life like the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. But we do it every day. We just want everything to be good. We don't want to be sick. We just want to walk through life and get to Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to live every day. I have purpose for you every day. I have made you for more. I have made you for more than just sitting in a seat doing the right things. I have made you for more. I've made you for more. And we have settled for average. Today, my heart is that you will be stirred away from average. That everything in you would begin to rail against average and say, from this point forward, average is my enemy. It's not my friend. I will not settle to be average. I will choose to live the extraordinary life that God has called me to live. I choose it this morning. I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to John, to, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Hallelujah. Put your finger there for a second. You know, when you begin to talk about not being average, I said you make a decision to rail against it. And you say it's as simple as the decision. It is as simple as the decision. It's the first step. Well, I decide that I'm so dissatisfied with average that this is not what I want. I make a decision that the extraordinary is what I want, that I was made for more. I embrace it and I choose it. But you know what, family? You don't choose it once. You choose it every day. You choose every day to understand that I was made for more. And I want you to look at this illustration because it helps us. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. It's called the story of the rich young ruler. And it says, now as he, being Jesus, was going out on the road, one came running, kneeled before him, and asked him, good teacher, what should I do that I should inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. But you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And he said, teacher, all these things I've kept since I was a youth. Then Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, and you will have, go your way and sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. And he was saddened by this, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's a really sad story. So here's this ruler, this rich young ruler the scripture calls him. And he hears that Jesus is in town. Now, you got to know something. There's no social media, okay? There's no newspaper. He has no idea that Jesus is in town that morning, but he hears that Jesus is in town. And Jesus' fame has spread throughout all of Israel. Everybody knows about this Jesus that heals the sick and does these miracles. And he is a draw. The anointing of Jesus draws people to him. And so here Jesus is walking through town. It's kind of like the woman with the issue of blood. The rich young ruler hears about Jesus, and he's got to get to him. But he doesn't have to get to him because he's sick. He wants to get to him because something inside of him wants more. Something inside of him is pulling him for more, and he knows Jesus is the answer. So he runs. Now let me tell you, this kid is royalty. He's the rich young ruler. That's what Scripture calls him. They don't run. People run to them. <laughs> but he recognized that someone more royal was present. And so he runs to Jesus. He chases Jesus down. There is a crowd around Jesus, like same as the woman with the issue of blood, who drops down and crawls to get to Jesus because she has to touch him. It's the same intensity. He's running, he's running, he's running. He gets to Jesus. He is standing in front of Jesus. How many of us would love that moment? Here's Jesus right in front of you. And he kneels out of respect, out of worship. And he says, how do I, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, here are the commandments. And he goes, I know them all. I'm a good Hebrew boy. I know I do. I've done all the right things. I know all the right things. I've done them all. I don't commit murder. I don't, I don't have adultery. I don't, I've done them, Jesus. And Jesus says, okay. And the scripture says he looked at him with love. And he said, this is the thing. I want this. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Pick up your cross and follow me. And do you notice that the ruler doesn't even answer him? He just gets up. He's sorrowful. And he walks off sad. And he does nothing. He doesn't answer him. He came right up to Jesus to get the more, and he forfeited it. All that effort, all that running, all that pursuing, all that chasing, he has an audience with Jesus, and he forfeits the more. And oftentimes you'll say, you'll read that and go, well, it was because he loved money. But remember, we're not reading scripture one-dimensionally. We want to go deeper. Sure, it's about the money, but there was more. It's what the money purchased for him. It was his security. It was his comfort. Jesus was saying, I want you to give up your security. I want you to give up your comfort. Take up your cross and follow me. And he said, no. No. I can't give you my security. I can't give you my comfort. And he walked away. He forfeited the more for his security. He forfeited the more for his comfort. And I want to tell you something, child of God. You and I will forfeit the more for the same thing. Because the more always comes with a price tag. And the price tag is always your security. It is always going to be your comfort. That is the price tag for it. The more is not going to come when I'm comfortable. The more is not going to come when I'm secure. The more is going to come when I am willing to pay the price of forfeiting those things to say I'm made for more. That's when it comes. It doesn't come any other place. 
And this young man who went through all this effort to get to Jesus, says, literally what he's saying is, I want more. I was made for more. I want more. And Jesus doesn't say no. Jesus is about to give him everything. Jesus wasn't his lid. He was his own lid. He was his own lid. And child of God, you are your own lid. Jesus wants to give you everything. He wants to give you everything. He wants to use you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to bless you. And the lid to all of that is you. That's the lid. I've come to preach there. I hope that's all right. Because we need to understand that we're our own lid. We're our own lid. God is open. God is willing. He's willing. But we also have to be willing. You know, you would say, well, doesn't God want me to be secure? Doesn't God want me to be comfortable? And the answer is tricky. Because if my security is built on the things that I've purchased, on my job, on my title, on my home, on my reputation, on the things that I have, the answer is no, he doesn't want you to be secure. But if your security is him, then the answer is yes. And that's the shift, family. That's what he was saying to the young man. Are you willing to give up your security for my security? Are you willing this morning to give up your security, the things you've built, and allow me to be your security? Are you willing to do that? That was really the question. Are you willing to not know what's going to happen? Are you willing not to know where the paycheck's going to come from? Are you willing today to not know these things and trust me? Or must you be your own security? You say, does he not want me comfortable? That's also a tricky answer. You know what he wants you? He wants you right on the edge of comfortable and uncomfortable at all times. You know how many times I hear Christians say to me, well, I'm just not comfortable doing that. And I, I've searched scriptures. I don't know, Pastor Rick, if you could help me. Because I have never found that word in scripture where we allowed to be comfortable. I've never seen it. He never said you were going to be comfortable. He's never said you. This walk is not comfortable. It's not. And he wants you right there on the edge of being comfortable and uncomfortable. Why? So that any moment he could speak to you and he could flip the switch. At any moment, he could say, I need you to do this, and you would obey. But if I'm sitting in a lounge chair, comfortable, and he says, get up, it's too much effort. But I'm sitting on the edge of the seat. That's where he wants you to feel me. Can you get that picture? We're on the edge of the seat. That at any moment, he'll say, run, child, and you run. Move, child, and you move. That's the edge. See, family, you need to understand something. That made for more that God has for us is right on the edge of me releasing my security and my comfort. It's right there. It's in that unknown place. You know why? Because in that unknown place, faith is released. In that unknown place, there is a, a seed of faith that you cannot get anywhere else. When I don't know but I trust, there's fire there. When I don't know and I have faith, there's fire there. When I am not my own security and I need him to provide my security, there's power there. There's power there. But as long as I am the keeper of my security and I am the keeper of my comfort, I will stay at average. He forfeits the kingdom for average. That's what he does. He chooses to be average. He chooses to live in average. He never became the more. And child of God, you can do the same thing. You can choose to stay in the average or you can say, I was made for more. And if the cost of the more is my security and my comfort, I'm willing to pay it. I'm willing to pay it. Does that make sense this morning? I want to share a story with you that I, I love so much. It's probably the greatest testimony of my life. But it illustrates this. See, the thing is this. There is a place on beyond the edge that requires something called reckless obedience. That's why you sit on the edge. Because at any moment, God is going to ask you to do something. And you have to be willing to be recklessly obedient in doing it. 
Let me tell you something, child God. If you think that the only two people that can pray for healing in this building is me and Pastor Christian Rock, every person in this room can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Every single one of us. You don't believe that this morning? I'm telling you. Every single one of us can lay hands on the sick and they recover. You just have to be willing to be uncomfortable. I was in a hospital with someone two days ago, and I was walking out. There was a woman there who was waiting for herself. She looked so sick. And I walked past her, and I walked back because I heard the Lord. And I said, ma'am, you're waiting on your results? She said, yeah, she could barely pick her head. I said, can I pray for you? Eyes opened up. She goes, please. Can I tell you no one's ever told me no? I've never been told no. I do it all the time. I've never been told no. And I laid my hands on her. I prayed for her. Instantly, her color restored. She sat up. She goes, I don't know what just happened. I feel so much better. I don't need my results. I'm like, well, hold on. I don't need to be sued. Just stay here. I'm not giving you my name. I'm out. But God healed her right in that moment. But can I tell you something? Amen. Praise God. But can I tell you something? I had already been at the hospital six hours. I was exhausted. You know what I wanted to do? I want to go home. I wanted my pajamas. I wanted a cup of tea. But I had to be uncomfortable because there was something there that God wanted to give more to. And child of God, you're going to be required to be uncomfortable to step out of average into the more. It's going to require you to step out of average to get the more. Your comfort is going to be shaken. Your security is going to be challenged because God wants it. Years ago on my second trip to Africa, Maria's, Maria's not here, but it was Maria's first trip to Africa. Actually, her first missions trip, period. We went together. We knew each other. Maria's my best bud now, but at the time, we just, we knew each other from church. I knew God had told me to, to bring her with me, and we were going to do a crusade out there, and we go to this place called Mtwara in Africa, Tanzania. 99.9999% Muslim. And we get there, and they're radicalized Muslims. And we get there, and we're going to do this crusade, and the, pa- and the pastors come to meet me, and they're like, look, pastor, we don't want you to be discouraged, but the Muslim parents aren't going to let their kids come out. So if you end up with 50, 100 kids, you know, that'll be about right. And I looked at, I looked at Marie, Marie and I looked at each other, and we're like, 250? Yeah, 250 is about right. So, <laughs> so we prepared for 250. We made snacks, we made bags, we made all these kind of stuff. And as we're driving to the site, hundreds of children are running towards the site. So I'm like, hello, okay. The team is me and Maria, by the way. We met up with another team from Virginia. There's about five of them. All together with the pastor, there was eight. So I'm looking, there are hundreds of children running towards the site. So we get there, and Maria starts organizing. She's like, all right, let's start making some circles, blah, blah, blah. We end up with 1,000 Muslim children. 1,000 Muslim children. On top of that, there's about another 200 Muslim mommies and about 50 Muslim daddies in the back. So now Maria's like, uh, we, we got to rip up the snacks. Yep, we're in the back when we're trying to figure out how to give all this stuff out now from 250 to 1,000. And the pastors grab me. They say, hey, come here. And they are scared. I said, I said pastors, what's going on? They said, look, you have to be done by, five, by 545. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, what's the problem? He said, your permit is for six. If you go over six, the Muslims here will riot against us, and the police will not help us because they're Muslim. He said, you have to be done on early for your safety. I'm like, okay, we'll be done at 545. He goes, another thing. It would be great, we'd really appreciate it, if you didn't say that Jesus was the Messiah. I was like, like, Pastor, that's kind of the reason for the trip. Like, <laughs> he's like, well, if you could use a different word beside Messiah, if you could say he's the king, son of God, you know, prophet, what, a different word besides Messiah. So I looked over at Maria, and we kind of smiled to each other, and I said, okay. I said, Pastor, look, I, I want to respect you. This is your deal. I'm your guest. But what would you like me to do if the Holy Spirit tells me to say he's the Messiah? What do you want me to do? And he said, no, I, I'm not going to tell you to disobey the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit says it, say it. But please, if he doesn't say it, don't say it. I could live with that. I said, deal. Deal. 
We start the crusade. A thousand children are dancing to blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, you're my, a thousand Muslim children. Jesus, you're my superhero. They're dancing. They're worshiping. The mamas are jumping with us on the side. It's unbelievable. I'm telling stories from the scriptures back and forth, and I come up to the salvation message, and I hear clear as a bell. The Holy Spirit say, tell them I'm the Messiah. No problem. I said, and Jesus is the Messiah. And the translator turns and looks at me. He goes, really? I said, Habib, translate. And he does. He says it in Swahili. And I feel the pastors behind me lose their breath. They're just like, oh my gosh, what did she just do? You know what happened, family? Nothing. Nothing. There was a blanket of peace over it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, say it again. So I said it again. Habib translated right away this time. You know what happened? And then I said, how many of you want to know Jesus the Messiah as your Messiah? A thousand Muslim hands went up. A thousand Muslim hands went up. Every child raised their hand. Not only the children, the mamas on the side raised their hand. They dropped their hagebs and raised their hand to accept Jesus the Messiah. So we pray the sinner's prayer with them, and then we start praying for the sick because the children there, because of the dust and the roads, their lungs sound like, like they smoke five or six packs of cigarettes a day. It sounds terrible. And we started praying for them, and we just watched child after child get healed and healed and healed. It's tremendous. 5.45, we're done. The pastors are elated, but they're, tr- they're scared. So they grab Maria and I, and they throw us in a car. and say, you guys got to get out of here. Get to the hotel. You now are targets. Get out. So we leave, we have a translator with us, and our driver is a cab driver, he's Muslim, and we're driving down home. And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, begin to pray for safety. So I begin to pray out loud. Maria hears the same things. We have our hands lifted, we're praying. And in Africa, in this particular part of town, when they want to ambush a car because the roads are so terrible, what they do is they put rocks up as high as the car and as deep as the car. So you have to stop, get out of the car, clean off the rocks so you can drive through. And as you do that, the criminals are waiting to ambush you. So we're driving, we're driving, we're driving normal. Everything's fine. It's super dark because there's no street lights where we are. And as we're driving, I look ahead and the road is completely blocked. And we look to the side and Maria looks and she goes, look, they're men with torches. The criminals were out open. They knew we had to stop the car. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, tell him to drive straight through it. Don't slow down, don't speed up, just keep driving. So I turned to the translator, I said, tell him, drive straight through it. Don't slow down, don't speed up, just keep going. The driver's like, I can't do that. I said, you need to obey, drive straight. Don't slow down, don't, don't speed up, just keep going. And he keeps going, keeps going. You can see his hands trembling as he's driving. And he drives, he drives, he drives, he drives, he comes up to the rocks. As he comes up to the rocks, family, they split right down the middle on both sides, like the Red Sea. We drive on a clear road. We go down a little further. We're rejoicing, and then we look, and the, the, the road is blocked again, and there are more men waiting. The driver goes, what do you want me to do? I said, I already told you what to do. Keep driving. He keeps driving, keeps driving, comes up to the rocks again. They split down the middle to both sides. We drive again on a clear road. We are rejoicing, and then it's blocked a third time. The driver this time, he doesn't ask me. He just keeps going. He keeps going. It splits down the middle again for the third time. We pull up to the hotel. We are in heaven. We are rejoicing, praising God. The driver turns to us and he says, who do you serve? Who do you serve? We serve, we said we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he splits rocks the way he splits water, the way he splits everything else. You know why, family? Because my security was not in a police detail that was going to watch out for me. Jesus was my police detail. Jesus was my defender. Jesus was my rock splitter. Jesus was the one that took care of why. Because I made a decision. I was going to obey him. Whatever that cost was, when he said, say, I'm the Messiah, I had a choice. Say, listen, it's not safe. 
Maybe I'll reward it. But the obedience brought them more. And the obedience will always bring them more. People listen to that story and hear the rock, but it starts there. It starts there. And your obedience will always bring the more. It'll always bring the more. And let me tell you something about that more. That was Maria's first missions trip. Who's Maria now? <laughs> Who's Maria now? She's the director of all our missions trips. How many have been on the field with her and been blessed and been transformed by her leadership? You don't think a seed of that came from watching rocks split in front of her? <laughs> That's how God does it. But you never step into that if you want to stay comfortable. You'll never step into any of that if my security is me. But when my security is him, and I sit on the edge of uncomfortable and comfortable at all times, I will step into what I was made for because I was made for more. So this is what more looks like, family, first. You want more? You rail against average. You rail against it. You choose every day not to be average. You choose it. Number two, you make a decision to be uncomfortable. I am willing to. Your comfort will be your lid. You know what else will be your lid and your comfort? Your preference. Your preference. You say, what is she talking about? You don't think church people have preferences? Switch the music. You'll see preferences. Switch the music. You'll see it. I went to church where they did worship with a banjo. A banjo. I'm from Brooklyn, people. They did it with a banjo. And you know what? Didn't matter. He was present. But my comfort will be my lid. My comfort. And be willing to be recklessly obedient. Because when I'm recklessly obedient, what I'm saying is you are my security, Jesus. Not the things I have, not the things I possess, not the titles that I own. You are my security. Rail against average. Be willing to be uncomfortable at all times. That at any moment God can flip the switch on you and you would do it. Be recklessly obedient so that he is your security and none else. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. 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 The Lord told me that I didn't need to prime this altar, that he was ready. So it's really simple. This is the deal. This morning, if you, you say, you know what? I'm done with average. <laughs> I don't want to be average. I refuse to be my own lid. I will not forfeit the more to be average. That's your decision this morning. I want you to meet me at the altar so we can pray together. I refuse to be average. I rail against the average this morning. I want the more. I want you to come and meet me at the altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's power in this room today. Come on, family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Fill the altars this morning saying, I refuse to be average. I refuse it this morning. I refuse to be average. I rail against it this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Keep coming. Keep coming. It's all right. Keep coming. You're making a declaration by coming. You're making a declaration by coming. Sam, I'm putting feet to my words. I'm putting action to my words. Hallelujah. And as you come up, just begin to lift your hands right now and begin to engage God. Say, God, that's it. Average is my enemy from this point forward. Average is my, I was made for more. And average is my enemy. Hallelujah. Begin to lift your voice now. Just begin to engage God. Hallelujah. Jesus, just keep coming, keep coming. It's all right. We can flood the altars. Keep coming. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. 
You're saying today, I refuse to allow the things that I have to be my security. Jesus, you are my security. It's not my job, my finances, any of those things. You are my security today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, family. Hallelujah. Press in right now. Come on, press in with me right now. Hallelujah. Declare it. Make some declarations over your life today. You tell the Lord, I refuse to be average from this point forward. I will recklessly obey you, Jesus. I will not let my comfort and security rob me of the more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Decide today you're not going to be your own lid. Take the lid off this morning. Take the lid off this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. moments family just press in a few more moments just press in with the Lord come on hallelujah declare it over your life declare it over your family we will not be average we will have life and life abundant we will have the more we rail against average this morning 
we rail against it. Average is our enemy this morning. We were made for more. We're not meant to be a kitty cat, we're meant to be a lion. We choose to roar this morning. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We choose to recklessly obey you this morning, God. We don't want to be just average church people, Lord. We want to be the church on fire, God. extend your hands right now and make the song that she's going to sing your declaration this morning and child of God you need to know something it is so important that you learn to make declarations it's so important that you begin to learn what it is what a declaration is this I make a decision I say it out loud I refuse to be average that's a declaration I refuse to be average I refuse to allow my security to be anything but Jesus. I refuse to allow my comfort to rob me of the more. I choose to be uncomfortable. Those are declarations, child of God. I need to make them every day. You need to choose to be the more every day. Not just today, every day. And so as Cat leads us today, make that your declaration. Make that your declaration.
Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you have made us for more and we'll settle for nothing less. Enemy is our average. Sorry, average is our enemy. And we declare him our enemy. We will not be average any longer. We choose this morning to make you our security. We choose this morning to sit on the edge of comfortable and uncomfortable. We choose this morning to radically obey you. We want the more, but it's more than a desire. We will recklessly obey you for the more. Today, Jesus, we declare that we are yours and we will no longer allow ourselves to be average. We will not be the lid any longer. We take it off and we run towards the more. you but I want to pray for you can you put your hands out for me and so father I pray this morning Lord God for everyone within the sound of my voice Lord and father we open our hands before you and we empty them Lord God of our security we empty them of the things that we know and we leave them open for you to fill this morning God that you have made us for more and we want it God we want life and life abundant. We will not settle for life only. So our hands are open this morning as an act of our will before you, God, that our will is open before you and we choose you right now, today and every day. And so, Father, I pray today that you would bless all those within the sound of my voice. Give them the courage this morning, Lord God, for life and life abundant, Lord God. Give them the courage, Lord God, 
to step into faith and allow you to be their security this morning. Give them the courage this morning to step out of their comfort and their preferences and their safety and let them let you be all those things this morning. Every morning, God, challenge them. Help them, God, to rail against average, Lord God, and to be what you've called them to be. You have made every person in this room for more, Lord God. Walk with them now as they leave from this place and challenge them every morning for the more, Lord God. Bless them tonight with sweet sleep by your spirit, Lord God. May they send you over them, hovering Holy Spirit, doing a work that is so profound and so deep. Mark this day by your spirit, Lord God. The day that we decided not to be average, Lord God. The day we made a decision that average was our enemy, God. And we were going to rail against it till the day we see you face to face, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Love you, church. Have a great week.